Today's episode is brought to you by Slay House Publishing, recorded at Wayne Howard Studios. Welcome back to another episode of Slay House Presents. I'm your host, Trevor. Joining me today is special guest Casey Jones. After graduating from the University of Nevada, Las Vegas with a degree in film production, Casey Jones spent 10 years writing unproduced screenplays before making the turn to novels. He currently lives in the soggy half of Washington State with his spouse and an old dog and cat. When not writing, Casey can usually be found in the kitchen, playing video or board games, reading, or wandering about a probably haunted forest. Thank you for coming on with me today, Casey. It's really great to have you. Ah, thank you for having me. So we're we're here to talk today about uh, Black Tide, which was a novel um, produced by Nightfire, uh, came out last year was nominated for a Stoker Award. Um, can it, For the listeners that don't know this book, before we kind of get into talking about it, um, do you have like a, a short pitch or description that you can give to our audience? Oh, sure. It's, it's um, sort of an alien apocalypse story that centers on two people who are trapped in a car on a deserted stretch of Oregon coast and they lose the car keys. And as the world falls apart about them, they kind of discover, rediscover their own um, will to live and survive. They were you know, quite quite broken prior to this. And then in the end, they, they find a beginning. I think that's, uh, that's a great descriptor of this book um, because it, it kind of gives us like the plot, everything you need to know to kind of get in and get invested. I felt like when I read this book last year, um, it really hooked me very quickly with, you know, the characters and then the central problem of them, you know, being on this beach while there are a bunch of aliens running around. Um, it was a really fast paced read for me, I feel. So what were kind of the origins of this story for you? Um, how did How did you come up with the idea and begin kind of drafting it? That's it's kind of my favorite story to tell because I get to say that it's based on a true story. Um, uh, my wife at, at the, and I at the time, we were um, staying on the Oregon coast, uh, just north of Cannon Beach, Oregon, for anybody who's familiar with the area. And you can drive down onto the coast there. Um, and so we went down to watch a sunset. And, you know, sun went down and it was kind of sort of off season. There was nobody really else around. You know, you park there and you can just see miles in either direction. There's no other cars. Mm. And, okay, it's time to go back to the hotel. And I could not find my keys. <laughs> and we, we, and we looked everywhere. We looked in the car. We looked all over the sand. Um, and unlike Mike and Beth, I had a spare set. And so we were able to get out of there, which was quite, you know, it was quite unnerving at the time. The tide was coming in. It's getting dark. And on the way back to the hotel, I started thinking, boy, what if we hadn't found them? And what if things had started coming up out of the dunes? And by the time we were back to our room, I, I had just sort of the, the skeleton of, of what the story would be all, all worked out and scratched down on notepad paper. I love that this, the central conflict was just like just a lost set of keys, uh, you know, kind of becomes the, the origin for this story. Um, R.L. Stein 
he he has like this collection of short stories um that that he's put out in the last couple of years one of the things i love about those short stories is he frames every one of them with a little kind of like origin tale of its own where he kind of describes where he came up with the central idea of you know the story it showcases a kind of creativity and, and a way of thinking about our experiences framing our experiences into you know stories that that can be entertaining and i i find that act of creativity of taking something that is you know probably just not maybe not normal i don't know how normal it is to lose your keys at at the beach but like you know just a kind of an everyday experience and transforming that into you know the fantastic or 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 the uh in this case the horrific that's really cool i i i Kind of would like to check those out. I started. I started on horror. I think a lot of people did with with his Goosebumps series, but I haven't seen any of the of the new stuff. But that's that's a cool idea. And I would say most of the stuff I write, it starts with something, you know, like you said, not mundane, just human, just just some little mm-hmm. thing that's that's out of the ordinary for that time and place, and then it just it just goes off in another direction. That's kind of where, where I begin. Yeah. So this is a creature feature. And um, I kind of wanted to to hear from you a little bit, you know, why make it a creature feature? And 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 what do you think drew you to the idea of, you know, kind of these monsters, um, the the alien apocalypse, if you will? Uh, I, I don't honestly know where the idea for the creatures came from. Like I said, it was just that drive home. I just started thinking of things and, you know, what would that be? Um, when you're trying to break into Hollywood, uh, my manager at the time was telling me, you know, a really good thing, a really easy way to break in, you know, easy, um, a typically successful way is, is horror and creature features. Cause they're, they're fun. They're enduring. Mm. Um, you know, they, 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 they tend to do well. So, so I think I had that in the back of my mind as I was developing it, um, they didn't start as aliens. They were very terrestrial, just unknown things. But I mm. kind of got lost in the weeds trying to explain <laughs> how nobody has seen this before <laughs> before this story. So so the alien thing kind of fixed that that problem for me. <laughs> yeah, I I could totally see that. I mean, these are some of the most menacing creatures I've encountered in, you know, this kind of creature feature horror. They're uh super tough to kill they are like nearly invisible and uh they're they're like a wood chipper in terms of what they can you know just kind of like do to a person or a body um what what do you think in your opinion kind of makes for a good compelling monster whether it be in screen or on screen or in literature uh i'm kind of always of the belief that that less is more um, I think the more that we can fill in with our heads, the, the more effectively scary they are versus, uh, you know, them being overexplained or even overseen. But really, and this is probably like storytelling 101, I think a monster is only as good as its victims. So mm. I, I think the, the closer we are to the people who are being terrorized by these things, the monsters really can 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 be just about anything. They're going to be scary. If if we want the people to come out of this, then no matter what it's come what is coming at them, whether it's you know aliens or just 
a hotel room that is that does stuff for reasons it, it's going to work if we like the people who are invested there yeah the 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 two main characters mike and beth are really the the stars of this book um i mean of course they're the protagonists but I think one of the reasons why I, I kept thinking about this book over the last year and one of the reasons why I reached out to you to talk about it is because I think you handle the characters really well. I mean, you put a lot of um, emphasis on their interaction, a lot of emphasis on their stakes. So they feel like believable people in, you know, maybe an extreme scenario. Um, but But I feel like through the conflict of the book, we get to know them really well. How did you kind of work to develop the chemistry of these two characters and put them through kind of this gauntlet of things that go wrong on the beach? It definitely started um, just as, you know, just kind of lifting from real life with my wife and myself uh, that night that we lost the the keys quickly devolved into quite the argument about whose fault it was and and how could this have even happened and so in those initial drafts I mean I was just kind of verbatim our argument and then expanded out from oh, there wow. until until they were not us they were you know very very different people with, right. with different problems that they that they brought to the table yeah I I think there's definitely a sense of of um again i i struggle to call it like reality because we're talking about aliens right um but I, I think there's like a verisimilitude to the way that they talk with each other it was very authentic like their frustrations you can kind of see them like bearing out in the language that they choose with each other and yet at the same time as they're kind of squabbling over stuff there's like this commitment that they make to each other to 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 at, at the very least getting through this problem um and to the other side together that i felt was really compelling digging into some of the characters and and the the character motives you know how would you characterize beth's motives through the story versus mike's motives through the story you know uh, they're both kind of in their own ways um very self-destructive beth kind of lives in this um self-fulfilling prophecy of i cannot do anything right i'm always going to mess it up and so then she does and and her her behavior in the story is typically self-sabotaging um and you know spoilers until at, at the end she she gets to do the thing right she's gonna she's mm -hmm. gonna get them back on on the road and and get out um and Mike's the same way. You know, Mike's kind of uh, realized that he's always put himself first, and at the cost of everybody around him. And 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 over the course of stories, similarly, he's like, okay, I I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to I'm going to focus on these these other people and things, and 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 let go of that a little bit. And I know I said I started this between my wife, but I and I, but I think kind of by the time the novel was formed, it was really a couple different sides of myself that were Mike and Beth. Mm. What parts do you, do you feel like you really identified with the most in these characters? Oh, definitely the, the insecurities and the stubbornness. Um, 
when I was crafting the version of the screenplay that would become the novel, uh, I had been writing for about a decade with just, it's hard to say no success. I got really close a few times, but, but basically I had nothing to show for my time. And so I just really felt like, man, I, I have all of these years spent doing this thing that went absolutely nowhere. Um, you know, I just kind of felt like a failure. So that, that first moment with Mike and Beth, when they meet over the fire and they kind of are each at that point when mm. their story is kind of where I was in mine. Mm. Yeah. For those that haven't read the the story, I, I think I, I kind of want to just explain a little bit. Beth kind of starts the, po- the the story believing herself to kind of be like this eternal failure, if you will. Like, um, I think the first thing she said, yeah, the first line of the book is that uh, she thinks of herself as a, a human car wreck, right? Um, and she has this I- idea that, you know, she just kind of fails at everything. But then there's Mike and Mike has recently gone through some loss, right? Um, and he's kind of reflecting on on his life and and where he sits um at that moment and and kind of like contemplating what is there to live for i felt like there's a real resonance there maybe it's just a personal thing but i i felt like i could really identify with you know the idea of two characters just not knowing where their life is supposed to go maybe that's just a millennial thing i'm not sure how you feel about it i could agree with that for sure yeah, but but I think what I loved about this book and one of the things that stuck with me is that their their trials, the the things that they go through on this beach together really are the catalyst for them to kind of confront one another and to kind of come up for answers to you know what they see as their biggest flaws. It's like a, a way of trying to to figure out and kind of turn their their flaws into strengths, if you will. Um, how did you come to get to know Mike and Beth as the story came to get together for you? And when did you know, like, this is where their story is going to go? Mike was a lot easier for me because, you know, you can see him, him being sort of a film producer with all a lot of regrets and, and whatnot. That, that was just an easy world to draw from and fill him mm. out. Uh, Beth was more challenging to me. Um, I, I honestly don't even really know why. Um, a lot of her character development happened towards the end. Like mm-hmm. I knew originally that she was you know, this, this house sitter, but then kind of I, I just worked backwards from there. Like how, how did she wind up at this house? Why is she by herself? Where, where are her friends? And so just, you know, bit by bit, I uncovered that you know the the rubble of of her life that that she's you know left behind Mm -hmm. as a writer how how do you kind of figure out how to construct you know kind of a, a character's journey or a character's arc because both mike and beth have what i think to be very complete character arcs from beginning of the book to the end of the book, they really come to understand what they need from each other 
um, by the end of the book. And I feel like that's earned through the, the kind of choices that they make through the, the whole of the plot. I, I have a tendency to just see where things go as I write. I don't do a whole lot of, of planning beforehand. Typically, uh, you know, I like to tell scary stories, but I also really like to tell hopeful ones. And mm. so knowing that, I, I don't want to say I give them plot armor, but I know kind of that I, how, how I want the feeling of the end of the story to be. And so that gives me something to inform what's going to happen over time, where it's, it gives me an ending point to work towards. And that tends to be, a, a, I think, a fairly fulfilling character arc. Yeah. So... Uh... Also, from a craft perspective, I kind of wanted to hear, too, about how you like, how do you maintain momentum through the story? Because I felt like there was never a point in this book when I was like, and now I can put this away and go to sleep. It was like I, I was always just like, no, I have to figure out what happens next. I can't just leave them in this situation. I think that largely comes from it being a screenplay you know, and abiding by the, you know, enter the scene late and get out early philosophy. So you, know, you do that and it kind of just, it, it naturally builds that momentum when each, each chapter is sort of ending on a, a cliffhanger. There's just no really resolution until you get to the resolution at the very end. Yeah. I, I saw a lot of, um, there's like moments when it's like, all right, we've taken a step forward. I think I've got a solution. But then it's like, but there's a complication now, <laughs> you know, like, do you, did you find some of those kind of like resolution complication moments harder to craft than others? Or, or do you feel like it all came together, you know, kind of intuitively for you? It came together pretty easily. I think they they arrived kind of when I also needed a breather. You know, there's only <laughs> there's only so much tension, even even when you're writing it, that you can stand. It's like okay, they got this. This actually worked out, or it didn't work out, but not as you know traumatically as it as it could have been. And so then that's you know it just kind of gives you a nice little ebb and flow. And I I, I judge my own feelings when I'm putting that in there. It's like yep, this is a good time for that. <laughs> I need to go have lunch and we're going to leave it there. <laughs> That's really funny. So, I mean, you mentioned this having originated as a screenplay. Um, what kind of adaptations did you have to make in order to get it into the shape of a novel? That was actually really funny. So I, I did um, NaNoWriMo that year. Mm. And I used the Black Tide screenplay kind of as a cheat because, I mean, it was a very detailed outline of a book. A lot of it I just transferred straight over into the novel. Mm -hmm. um, you know, doing that, obviously, I did not have the word count necessary. So, but I got all those story beats in there. And a lot of the, those, those are often the hardest things to find. And so once those were in there, it was just about filling in the space in between. And as a screenplay, my you know, my two sort of my my besties, um, Eric and Matt, they read they read the version that I adapted into the book and they, they just thought there's just something missing. That was the note. And it was just the vaguest, most infuriating note because I, I could not suss out an answer from it and they couldn't seem to elaborate. But as I was writing the book, I realized that's the missing piece. It's it's these internal stories that you can't 
put in a screenplay. You're supposed to only write what you're going to be able to see on camera. And then the actors bring that, that extra emotion and feeling and depth. But then doing as a novel, I was able to do that, which is really fun and new for me. And it helped me really kind of discover what the story was and who the characters were outside of just an info dump. You know, this is my backstory. I'm going to tell you for 10 pages. <laughs> Do you feel like you have any advice to anybody who, you know, might be trying to adapt a screenplay to a novel um, or maybe even vice versa to, to look at, you know, adapting a novel, you know, back into something like a screenplay? I would say give yourself the freedom to make changes where it's necessary um, and to add, you know, to add and, and to take away, don't, don't be so completely married to one form or the other, because they're very different. Screenplays and novels are just, they're very different pieces of work. They behave differently. You write them differently. You don't have to be super rigid and keeping it exactly the certain way. Were there any significant story changes that you had to make when you adapted? Uh, no, I not um, as far as, you know, branching off in different directions. It was really all additive. Uh, Jake was not in the screenplay. I know that's hard. I know that's hard to imagine. That is, uh, <laughs> I I couldn't have, tell if I had to make any guess, I would have been like, I don't know, like maybe there were a couple of, you know, side characters that weren't originally there. But Jake feels like such an integral part of this book. That's really surprising. Well, I can I can do you one better. In the very original version that I wrote after you know that beach incident, Beth wasn't in it. Um, it was a married couple, and after the keys, she wandered off in the dunes to try to get cell reception and just never came back. And it was all Mike. And oh wow! That's kind of where I hit my first wall because I was like, how do I write ninety to one hundred and ten pages of <laughs> one guy sitting in a truck and I had just started writing at the time I didn't really know what I was doing um, it took me quite a while to to start understanding that okay I actually need I need this other character I need these two to work together and work off of each other and and build out from there when you you did your undergrad at University of Nevada it, it was in creative writing is that no so I don't know. There was, I don't know if it's all film schools or if it was just that one, but there was definitely a vibe of everybody's here to be a director, which I did not want to do at all. I, I much, very much wanted to write, but I kind of got, you know, I just followed the crowd like, okay, we'll do, we'll do directing. I hated it. I don't like telling people what to do. Uh, it was very stressful. I did take a couple of screenwriting courses, but no, my, my whole education there was in uh, directing and production. Oh, wow. So so when when we talk about, you know, you drafting up these screenplays and, and then this book, uh, like this is kind of your formative experience in writing. Yeah. Yeah. It was all kind of just a side thing that I did. And I, you know, I checked out the how to write screenplay books in the library and I read a lot of screenplays, which I think is the most useful thing. Mm. Um, you know, you always have authors reading other books, obviously, to, to really familiarize with the genre. But you do the same thing with scripts. You learn a lot seeing how everybody else does it. Yeah, I, it's just fascinating to me because, um, you know, I, I know this is your debut novel, but I mean, talk about just knocking it straight out of the park. Like <laughs> there's <laughs> there's you. so many elements of this book that I really feel work well. Um, and I, I think it speaks 
to you know what I would have anticipated uh like a, a much more seasoned writer um not to say that you're not seasoned but you know it, it, there are so many el- the characters are really robust in this book um the the tension is all very believable you know I, I felt like I could kind of see some of the the structure as I I was reading the book and kind of understand like this is somebody who really knows how to pace some stuff out. So it's it's just kind of surprising to me that 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 isn't your like super formal training. Oh, thank you. I, you know, like I said, it, it's kind of on the job training. I did manage to get um a a literary manager and agent and worked for years writing screenplays and mm-hmm. their notes were hard. I mean, I, I just, I had, I got directors attached to projects who did not see the same story as me. And mm. it's like, well, you know, we kind of have bills to pay. So I can't just tell this guy what I really think. So I'm going to, I'm going to go along with it. And you learn a lot doing, doing it that way. <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of want to before we we kind of dig into some of the the major theme of the book, which is one of the things I really wanted to have you on to discuss. Um, I just wanted to to kind of reflect like a year out from the book's release. Um, this was nominated for a Stoker Award. Um, it was a finalist for um, I think it was best debut novel. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, kind of looking back on on the year, having a little bit of distance from getting the book out and into the hands of readers. um, What do you think you've kind of learned from some of this experience and how have you grown as an artist over the last year? Um, I mean, one of the things I, I definitely know I've learned is just that it doesn't end with getting the book published. It, you know, there's there's just a whole process that follows as far as as marketing and engaging with the people who are reading it. Um, mm. I know some writers get away with publishing a book and then disappearing into a cave for a decade. <laughs> um, a lot of us don't have that luxury, and and so that's been you know, that's been a big um, experience for me. Going back to um, my little Hollywood anecdote and working with directors. I had the complete opposite experience um, with the novel. The people who, you know, my agent, my editor, everybody was just, they were so in tune in the sto- to the story the same way that I was that I really enjoyed the, collabor- the collaboration on, on developing things and, and, and diving back in with, with other input. And I don't know, I look forward to that now, now that I, now that I've experienced what it's like to 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 be collaborative with people who are on the same wavelength and want the same outcome, it's like, oh, that's this is actually pretty cool. I, I, I can get used to this. <laughs> you, you hear, you know, people are like, oh, it's the dreaded notes. Here comes all the red. And I'm like, nope, I look forward to it. I mean, that's I'm always interested in the relationship between you know, like a writer and an editing team, but also kind of a writer and a, and readers, you know, um, it's weird to say that, that, you know, reading a book or writing a book is a collaborative experience. Cause it's like, your name is the only one that's on this book, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, this is very much your labor, even if you've got, you know, kind of a team around you, but I think meaning is made in art because we share it. And 
there is kind of a collaborative meaning making between author and reader you know like you can't have art in a vacuum and and so there's this strange kind of collaboration in 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 like you put stuff together and then we interpret what you've put together and and somehow in that magic right we we step away with meaning and i i, I just find that an endlessly fascinating experience it's the thing that i think i chase in literature all the time is is that that meaning making you know construction through reading something or rereading something you know writing something and having someone else think about it and add their thoughts to that process it's it's surreal and it's something that i never really thought about until it started happening and i started getting you know tagged on instagram and in twitter and people are talking about you know how how they perceive things and you know who they connected with and sometimes it's in ways that that i hadn't really even expected um and other times they they come out with the exact same thing i wanted to say like they walk away mm. the whole um you know finding finding a reason to live at the end of the world that was mm. kind of one of my guiding themes of this and i've actually heard people say that and it's like oh that's 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 really cool that that worked out that way it's probably like a chef who puts out a plate and just <laughs> You know, you see these empty plates come back. And it's like, yep, I did that right. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really interesting analogy. I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've ever thought of that before. Um, kind of the 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 artistry of you know cuisine and um, food makes a lot of appearances in the stuff that I write. Not so much black tide, <laughs> but if I if I manage to get some of these other stories out, it's it's a pattern you'll you'll start to notice along with cars. <laughs> food and cars is kind of my thing <laughs> that's really really fun um yeah when i read this book you know i i kind of this is where i i want to dig into some of the the major theme that i i got from the story but um you know the, again maybe it's just a millennial thing i i saw beth's you know thoughts like i'm just a nobody and i'm just a car wreck you know my life my life never goes the way that I want it to. I'm not even sure how to frame what it is that I want out of life. Um, and I resonated with that a lot. Mike, I felt um, I didn't quite connect with as strongly as, as Beth, but it, it's not because Mike wasn't a well-written character. It's just his problems are a lot different. He has a lot more self-doubt um i think or 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 maybe it's just a lot more guilt um about mm -hmm. the way that he's kind of lived his life and and the way that he's had to interact with people which is also interesting because he's a screen or he not a screen is he a screenwriter or is he like a producer director he's a producer and i think he makes some comments about how he's had his hands in in writing and, and other things because he he commends beth's um camera work right yes but but you know kind of as a producer he i don't know he reflects on his life and is not super proud of all of the choices that he's made you know all of the mm -hmm. the ways that he's interacted with people and i felt that that was an interesting reflection on 
at least some of the way that our society kind of structures interaction. You know, there's always this pressure to like use the other person or the person next to you to get a leg up. You know, it's just like a constant, uh, call it a dog eat dog world, but it's kind of this constant um, exploitation of the people around you. And he's one of the first characters that I've seen that really kind of struggles with that, you know, struggles with the way that he's treated people and and maybe thinks that he could have been a better person. Well, I think especially when you're really ambitious, like he is prior to the story, it's it's a bit of a trap. It can be easy to forget that other people aren't side characters in your story. You know, everybody <laughs> is is the main character of their own story. You're not you know they they have this whole other life behind their eyes when you look at them that you that you aren't aware of and mike kind of forgot that and hurt the people near him in his quest to just reach his own personal goals and now that it's entirely too late to fix it it's like wow that's what can i even do at this point and that's you know where we find him in the beginning what ends up being his journey there yeah but that's not the end of the story and i i think this it, it the the way that the two interact the way that mike learns to to kind of see value in beth um in spite of the many kind of squabbles they have over like why'd you lose the keys why she, you know why'd you do this why'd you do that how are we going to make it out um he he really learns to rely on beth in a way that i think was really empowering because if his central problem is that he's, you know, used people the wrong way, kind of relinquishing some of that authority over to someone else and being able to trust in their skills is a real like learning more moment for him, I think. And in that he empowers Beth in a way that Beth needs to be empowered, you know? And so they come together in a way that I find to be both resilient in the face of disaster, but also really beautifully, you know, about like building, building relationships with, with one another, building friendships, building trust, you know, building connections is how we get through the tough stuff. You know, and it's, it's something you really can't do by yourself, you know, and, when we start this, they're both completely alone and it, and they're sinking as a result of it. They need somebody else there to help them swim. And, and that's what happens. You know, I I like to tell people that it's a story about worlds colliding, you know, it's about them coming across that fence and starting something new when, when they were both just alone, just sinking. Yeah. I think it's interesting too, just as you talk about your process, the way that, you had, you know, kind of a wall to to figure out when it was just Mike and like adding Beth becomes the solution, you know, to that that writing problem, um, because that's kind of the whole the whole major theme of this this book. It's like adding to each other's lives, you know, makes us more resilient in the face of of danger. When I like that, like, and you said it much more eloquently, but they each see in each other um, the things that they don't see in themselves, you know, like, like, like Mike sees in Beth, somebody who, who needs that empowerment and who can handle mm. it. 
Yeah. You know, so when when he finally gives it up, he gives it to her, gives her that trust and and says, go for it, because he knows that she's not this mess up that she thinks she is. I mean, we all make we all make mistakes and we all aren't aren't always thinking at our at our best. But I need her to get us out of this and she can do it. And she needed to hear that. Yeah, yeah. The the validation there is is really super important. Um, I do, however, have to scold you for what you did to Jake. I'll never forgive you for that. Um, <laughs> what was kind? Of, what were some of your decisions about, like <laughs> including Jake and and you know, kind of the way that Jake feeds into this story as well? Um. As far as bringing him in, I just thought he was kind of a foil for both Mike and Beth. You know, like they work off of each other and each other's faults. And then you here you have this dog that is really faultless. I mean, it doesn't do anything. <laughs> he doesn't do anything in the book that's not just what a dog would do. So, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, so I think I feel like he he anchors the two of them um, in a way that's really fun. And and for most of the book, he kind of almost serves as like, uh, you're you know. We, we have to save Jake. Like it's almost less about, we have to get off the beach ourselves. We've got to get this dog. He's overheating. He needs water. He needs food, et cetera, et cetera. So he's kind of the, you know, the a MacGuffin in a way for, for them getting off the beach. Um, as far as what I, it, I really kind of had a goal of trying to make this as realistic as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, the more, you know, the more believable the story is, the um, more people are going to accept the magic Mm-hmm. Um, like the monsters and i was thinking you know if this was a porcupine jake would come away with a face full of quills <laughs> so this is just sort of what happened i didn't like it any more than anybody else <laughs> <laughs> i mean it was it worked it like the emotional framework i i felt really worked for me um i know that it's kind of a spoiler to to suggest that anything happens to jake and i'm i'm sorry for those who haven't read the book uh sorry jake but um i i you know it, it's like another it, it it was another piece in your toolkit you know to kind of keep tension high and uh and the stakes realistic yeah. um which I, I respect you know it was um it's it's a really good book if I haven't explained that enough to you. Thank you so much. Yeah, you know, absolutely. So, um, in my original notes when I I reviewed the book, um, I left myself. I was, I was quite angry because it it ended, and then I was like, but I need more. Um, so do you have any plans for kind of a sequel? Is is there anything more on the horizon, either maybe set in this universe or, you know, like a direct continuation of, of Mike and Beth's lives? Or how do you feel about revisiting Black Tide in the future? I've thought about what um, this world might look like, uh, you know, weeks and months and even years after the end of the story. And I, I think it would be fun to go back to it and, and pick up somewhere along that timeline and, and just mm-hmm. see what, what happens next. That's about the most I've really thought about it. <laughs> just kind of, kind of like that first night with it, just sort of like some bones to you know, to see, I have mm-hmm. some other things I'm working on right now. Once that's all said and done, I wouldn't say no to coming back. I think it could be fun. And I have so many people asking for a sequel. It's almost like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I, have, I, might, I might have to do this <laughs> the writings on the wall yeah yeah I'll, i mean i'll add to that chorus if people are like i i i, I would love a sequel <laughs> <laughs> but you know if i didn't i i'm still i know it's open-ended but i feel like it's an appropriate ending because uh-huh. you know when you when you think about what's actually ahead of them it's like there's just no no chance probably but mm-hmm. they don't see it that way and that's the important thing to me which is why i was happy leaving it leaving it there yeah i i think there's uh there's kind of like a, a commitment to again that that emotional through line which is uh as you put it you know um like finding your reason to live at the end of the world i think that that stands out really resoundingly uh you know for a book that's ostensibly about an alien apocalypse i i feel like we don't see that nearly so much <laughs> in these stories you know they go one of two ways it's like we beat the aliens and life returns to normal or it's like and we'll never win you know right <laughs> i i'm not i'm not you know i can appreciate the sort of grimdark um fantasies and and alien stories i i just don't write them <laughs> oh sure yeah i like I, I like to i like to think that there's you know, if I if I want hopelessness, I just go turn on CNN. But <laughs> when I'm when I'm when I'm writing, I need a little bit more light in the dark. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. So tell me a little bit about some of your upcoming projects, because I would really love to hear if there's anything you know kind of slated for the horizon um, that that is going to come out soon, or or you know just what are some of the projects you're working on? Um, I have another um, book with Nightfire that I'm. I'm ironing out all the details too. It's kind of my haunted house story. Although because this is me, it of course takes place in a car <laughs> instead of in a house. <laughs> um, past that, I have, uh, and it's just, it's, you're not even supposed to say this word, I, kind of an urban fantasy. Um, okay. Horror, crime, mystery, thriller. Sure, yeah. I, I, I would absolutely love to see that come into reality. Um, the book, I, it was actually the first book I wrote. Black Tide would, would have been the second that I wrote first oh, wow. that I published. But if I could spend the rest of my career in that world telling that story, I would be happy. It's it's <laughs> it's just a it's a pet project. It's my absolute favorite thing. Those are those are the two that I'm closest to to completing right now. Well, that's awesome. I, I'm excited for either one. Um, haunted car. Uh, haunted road actually. haunted road haunted road the car is even just, you know, yeah even better <laughs> even better haunted road i do have to give you major props in black tide for creating a claustrophobic nightmare set on like the most open expanse of land it, it's really ingenious you know to 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 make it feel like well we're just gonna die <laughs> you know <laughs> You know, I feel like you don't see that. There, it's always like, uh, you know, like a, a secluded cabin somewhere or something like that. To to put your horror on a beach was really ingenious. Oh, thank you. You know, the cabins. I think we, I think so many of us have that experience with being in a house or a cabin, and and so it's it's easy to go there. Um, beaches tend to not be. I, I guess I guess Jaws, you know, did a pretty good job of of turning a beach horror-y. but. I don't know. Yeah, it, it was it was a lot of fun. Um, and I had a friend who really wanted to see a horror movie set in broad daylight like that. that, that, that this is yeah. a long time ago. And that was his thing. I was like, I just don't want night. I just want I want to be able to see everything that's happening. 
end. So I kind of, you know, took his advice with that. Yeah. Except for then I made the creatures invisible, so I still cheated. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I definitely, for what it's worth, I definitely was like, man, this would make for a killer movie. Uh, and then that after it was, I had finished the book and I read your acknowledgments. So I was like, okay, so this was a screenplay. That's why it's, it, I could definitely see it as a movie in my head. <laughs> so um, if people would like to know more about upcoming projects from you, uh, where can they find more information about you online? My website is pretty outdated. I, I had grand plans of, of keeping it constantly updated with everything. Um, but then, you know, things move slower than I would like them to. So it's not always up to date, but, but the website and then Instagram probably are the two places where I would post news the most. Okay. And what is your Instagram handle? Oh, yeah. It's um, at PNWScribe. And it's kind of that across everything. I don't really hang out on Twitter much, but it's Twitter, Instagram, and uh, Facebook. It's all the same handle. Awesome. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Casey. It was great to, to talk to you. Great to just, you know, kind of share my admiration of Black Tide for you. I definitely can't wait to see your next project. Um, this book was so much fun. Highly recommend it. And uh, yeah, can't wait to see what comes next. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. It's, it's a lot of fun to talk about.